0: Good morning, rock stars! From coast to coast, we give you a toast as you listen to Rutten Radio on the Real Presence Network. I'm your host, Joe Rutten, director of the Benedictine Leadership Institute at Mount Marty University in Yankton, South Dakota. And I'm joined, as always, by my brothers Rutten.
1: I'm Father John Rutten, pastor of St. John Paul II in Harrisburg, South Dakota.
2: And I'm Father Paul Rutten, pastor of St. Mary in Sioux Falls, South Dakota.
0: And together we are Rutten Rutten Radio. Radio. How we doing, fellas? Doing well. Father John, you were running a little late here. What was going on? Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, so I have a Ford Fusion, which is not the car you should have for a South Dakota winter. <laughs> uh, so I was coming up 5th, 6th Street, and, no, 5th Street, and... Uh, Uh, by the by the cathedral and i got about halfway up
0: (laughs) you didn't make it all the way i didn't make it all the way did you
1: have to reverse down i had uh, well and and unfortunately there was someone watching me oh that's always better (laughs) yeah so
0: yeah. outstanding well other than that how you been doing doing well doing well or do you
1: say good Am I doing good or am I doing well? There is a grammatical.
0: There is a
2: grammatical.
1: Well is feeling. Good is... Well, I don't know. Ooh, here we go. English you teachers, guys can teachers. all let me know on Facebook. I'm doing, I'm doing uh, stupendous. Uh, <laughs> no. Calm. Calm. I, uh, calm. I hope it's doesn't mean there's a storm coming. At uh, peace but, with the uh, world. Yeah. So speaking of storms, uh, someone made me a nativity scene, outdoor nativity scene the other day. It's awesome. And because there was a storm, there's these big, huge piles of snow. And then I just, they put the nativity scene on the snow. It's like right out of a
2: postcard. Postcard.
1: Yeah. If you're on Facebook, my Facebook page, you can see the picture up there. You probably (laughs) already saw it. It's pretty, pretty (laughs) sweet. And then they didn't tell me who they were.
3: So So then it was a mystery for a few days. Hmm, Who did this? Did you find out who it is? I did. All right. Uh, Awesome. We'll
0: get to that. Maybe during the shakedown at uh, Shoutouts, we'll find out who that was. Father Paul. What do you got going on over there with your jackrabbit coat on? Uh, doing well. Grateful I survived Christmas and the new year without being
2: sick. <laughs> right. That was my big fear. Uh, a, uh, we got through it all. It went well. Uh, just, you know, it's always good to get that all done.
0: Um, yeah. So ready suppose, for another year. I suppose COVID, uh, the time to get COVID is not the week before Christmas. Or the day before <laughs> oh lord have mercy christ have mercy lord have mercy all right hey joe you how are there, you oh oh me 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 yeah, yeah, right. joe. Uh, magnificent i think uh i am fantastic <laughs> magnificent <laughs> it's uh you know, i had my wife uh, had the day off and she came in with a cup of peppermint latte a peppermint latte coffee for me in my office while i was studying ooh, and ooh, reading and sweet. i thought wow it just doesn't get any better than this. Oh. Like, so that's how my day started. There you go, magnificent. All right. Well, if you're out there listening, you can interact with us on the Rutten Radio Facebook page, or you can listen to the show on your Real Presence affiliate network stations, or the easiest way, as we always like to point out, is you can just download the thing on your iPhone, on your smartphone. And we do have an app that you can get for Rutten Radio itself, or not an app, I guess. Right. Father Paul, it no, would be... You can subscribe to our podcast on the apps that you use for
2: podcasts, Spotify, uh,
0: Google Play, or uh, iTunes. It's fantastic. It's got oh. the three-headed monster on there. Yep. So if you're looking so. for something, it's a little cartoon drawing with three bald guys. Rock and roll, fellas. Well, we got our movie of the month here on Rotten Radio in the first half hour. And the movie this month is With Honor. <laughs> <There we go. laughs> Father Paul, you want
2: to give us the jo- intro? Joe is on fire On today. fire, baby. Yep. Let's do it. So convinced his thesis will have him graduate with honors from Harvard University. A stuffy student finds himself at the mercy of a homeless man's demands when he holds the thesis
0: papers hostage any warnings father john uh,
1: just a little bit of adult language and some adult dialogue uh in their interactions you can imagine they're college students it's
0: a college scene yep. yeah yeah so. so it's not quite animal house yeah um, no 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 but it's yeah you know yeah yeah,
1: yeah. it's kind of like a uh uh a poorer version of um What's the other movie you like? Dead Poets Society. Dead Poets Society. You know? Right, yeah, right, you know, right. kind of got
0: anymore, like, more Anymore, like, I don't know that what society considers acceptable is the same. Like, I think when I watch things, I'm like, oh. And then I'm like, well, I wonder what everybody else thinks. right? Who sure. knows where we've gone in society in the last oh, 20 sure, years. Oh, Lord have mercy. Yep. All right, here we go. Well, let's uh, jump in. Initial thoughts and comments on With Honors, Joe Pesci, starring Joe Pesci, and Brandon Frazier. Father Paul, what'd you think? What do you got on it? Yeah, I thought it was kind of interesting because
2: it's a movie that I watched back in college uh, and had thoughts, memories, things that I remembered from it. Uh, and then to watch it again at a different place in my life, um, yeah, I, I liked it for different reasons. I found other things helpful, not so helpful. You know, it was really interesting to kind of have the memory of it and then to rewatch it with a different take on it.
0: And uh, in some ways that's at the heart of the film is perspective. Sure, in uh, a changing of perspectives, and so I found it interesting as I was looking at the notes. Not only did Father Paul have a changing of perspectives, but Father John had some changing of perspectives or some criticisms. It seemed like <laughs> Father John didn't really care for the movie. Father John,
1: yeah, I guess, uh, I, yeah, I must be changing because it's a movie I definitely, in the past, you know, twenty years ago, definitely, maybe even ten years ago, I would have really liked, but now I'm sort of like. Eh, I don't know. It uh um I don't know what the right word is to use, but it doesn't seem it doesn't seem either playful enough or deep enough. It's like this weird like in between where I'm like, eh trying to make me Feels sentimental and good.
0: <laughs> you can't, um, you know.
1: I don't. I, I don't watch Hallmark
0: movies, and I right. don't
1: watch with honors. <laughs> well, it, it,
0: it, I'm a sucker for these kind of movies. I loved it. It's it's that academic, transformational, little sentimentality, mm-hmm. deeply human interest story. Like I really loved it. It reminded me of Dead Poets Society, of course, Goodwill Hunting, Scent of a Woman, which is a great one. We should review that one, and of course the one and only Dangerous Minds. But that 1990s kind of period of movies I really love, so I could probably watch about anything from that time period and think it's pretty cool, like Top Gun. Sure, which is coming back. Better off dead. Father Paul, if you dig into it a little bit, uh, Better Off Dead, right? (laughs) Right. Weird science. Yeah, if you're out there listening, what are your favorite 90s movies? (laughs) List your favorite 90s movies. Father Paul, what would you think? Give us something kind of to chew on a little bit here.
2: You know, I think probably one of the most common themes for the whole movie is just how we see or perceive other people. It's really that main theme throughout the movie. Uh, We have preconceived notions of those we meet throughout life. And really this real question, do we ever really test whether our thoughts, our feelings about a person is true or not? Um, You know, they ask the question, uh, Simon asks the question, uh, what do you see when you look at me? Hmm. And I think that's a real question that we should ask. What do we see when we look at people? Because I think they stereotyped the Harvard professor they stereotyped the, the, the college students. Like, everything really was stereotyped, yep. and I think it's important. Even the girl was uh, stereotyped. Even the girl. Yep, like all of it. It was all just this, you know, and so this real question, do we ever want to look beyond the stereotype? And, and the stereotype is what it is, and I can't change, you know, how I see somebody like that. Um, but am I willing to get
0: to know somebody? Or Well, well is can it, you change how you see somebody like that? Well, I think
2: over time you could, in the sense of when the more often your stereotype isn't verified, you then begin to say, well, maybe, maybe what I think about these people isn't true. Mm. Now, if it keeps being verified, it's like, well, yeah, this is typically what they're like. Right, right. Um, so I do think it can change to a degree. I think we're hypersensitive about it though. Like stereotypes are stereotypes for a reason. And I think we live in a culture where we won't permit stereotypes, but... Uh, the problem I think with it is just cause I have a stereotype doesn't mean that I can't see beyond it. Right. It's there. You know, I, I think of, you know, the fighting Irish, uh, <laughs> you know, Notre Dame is the fighting Irish. Like there's a reason, uh, why that those words are put together. Okay. Well, do all Irishmen fight? No, but enough of them do.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I think when you, you, you put this question out there, what, do you see when you look at me? I, I immediately I'm like, "Wait a minute here. I wonder what people do see when they look at me." Sure. And and it might be worth us asking of ourselves and others. And so just that idea of saying, "What do people see when they look at me?" might is worth reflection, I think. And then, "What do I see when I look at others?" And in leadership in my circles, we call this integrated leadership. There's three circles. There's the self, the actual self, mm-hmm. there's the ideal self that one is seeking to become, and then there's the perceived self. And when those three circles of what other people's perception and your actuality and ideal, when they come together, that's the integrated self. Well, it doesn't until we die, we don't fully get there. But I've never really given true consideration to the perception of others. And how I see others in in, in a real deep deep way to say, wait a minute here. Maybe I do this a lot more than I, uh, if I'm honest with myself, than I ought to probably. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I remember one time I was with Catherine, our our sister, and we were at a store to buy a sled. And she said to me, does everybody stare at you? And I'm like, what? And she's like, does everybody stare at you? Because I was wearing my clerics. And I'm like, I don't know, maybe. Well, it's one of those things where... For a lot of people, a man in clerics. And then when I went to buy the sled and the guy's like, what do you want a sled for? And I'm like, well, the sled. Like, <laughs> why else do people buy sleds? But he was just sort of shocked. It was this idea, again, his perception of, of priests wouldn't be buying a sled to go sledding. And so he would have to, you know, readjust, you know, his own idea of his perception of what people dressed, you know, uh, like, you guys I mean, have to get that a lot. Like, but you sort of forget. <laughs> like, I forget whether I'm wearing them or not, so I don't right. even pay attention whether people stare
1: at me. So, I don't know. Yeah, it was, it's partly... Uh, uh, With the mask and COVID, it's partly something I realized why I was less worried about it all. Because I'm used to being stared at. I'm used to people thinking I'm funny. I'm used to people. Mm -hmm. You just go around and like, oh, yeah, everybody. Whereas if that's your Mm -hmm. first time you've ever experienced it, that's a really just settling feeling to have people be like, they're looking at me. Like, I have a mask on or they're, you know. (laughs) I mean, I was in... Jerusalem and watched a guy spit on a man because he was a monk and wearing a a monk's robe. Like, uh, so it's not as if, if, so yeah, we have those experiences and you learn to just be like, ah, and then you grow beyond it. You're like, well, if I chew their mouth, if I like reject them, then they're never going to grow. So you just learn to be like, oh, okay. And I just walk through target and you're just like, no, yeah, of course everybody's looking. I mean, you just, it's just a part of being a priest and clerics is, I mean, I don't even hardly notice it anymore.
0: And the idea of perception, what we see, what Brandon Fraser sees, mm-hmm. what Monty is his name, Monty, I believe. Yep. Monty sees in Joe Pesci, and Joe Pesci's name is Simon. Uh, tell me a little bit about that interaction and that relationship, how it begins and then right. how it proceeds or transforms.
2: Right. So what's funny about this movie is it's set in 1994. So technology, you forget how far we've come. So Monty's working on his thesis, hmm. and his computer crashes, <laughs> uh, and the old dot matrix, and there's no backup, uh, and all he has is this hard copy of his uh, thesis, and so he's paranoid that it, like, he's going to lose it, so he wants to go get it copied, so he's out running late at night to get the thing copied, and he trips and falls, and the, the thesis goes into the grate, down into the boiler room of the library at Harvard, where Joe Pesci, the homeless man, is living Uh, And so he goes down there to find Joe Pesci burning the thesis (laughs) in the fire. Uh, And so that's their interaction right there is their first interaction right there. This man needs his thesis, realizes this man has it, and he's willing to throw it in a fire. So their relationship really actually is transactional. Joe Pesci says, for one page, I want something. And he begins to barter back and forth about what he wants, and he wants a glazed donut. (laughs) and from a glazed donut, uh, he ends up moving in, moving in, baby. But again, I think, you know, and this was the one thing about that. I mean, how many of our relationships really are transactional?
0: All right. And from an Aristotelian standpoint, we've talked about this before, the different types of friendships, Friendships, Uh, transactional is a primary. I mean, many of our relationships in a normal level are transactional. Uh, but maybe the probing of the question at the heart of this story is what does it mean to be human in a transactional relationship where we're not necessarily seeing the other Uh um, as an other, right? But just as somebody that can give me something or as a, you know, in in a non-human way. And I think that you have a great question here, Paul. You talked about um, one of our nieces, Working at the banquet and her interaction with the staff, right? She works there, so she. No, she works at the Bishop Dudley House. Oh, she works Cality at the Bishop. House. D- right, right, right. So she Next knows door. a number mm-hmm. of these uh, folks that are there for meals, and and you mentioned using using calling them by name. Yep. Uh, have that they have stories.
2: Sure. No, so it was just interesting to watch because you know normally if you go to the banquet, it's very transactional. The banquet is the homeless, Home, the homeless. facility, right. or well, the, the, they feed
1: those that yep. need.
2: Uh, but since Jaden works at the Bishop Valley Hospitality House, where they often live, uh, she knew them by name, she could talk to them, she was able to interact in a way that it was very clear that this wasn't just a transaction. You showed up, here's a meal, go away. You showed up, here's a meal, go away. But it was really this, and they were shocked. You know, even some of them were like, Jaden, what are you doing here? Right. Uh, and then she'd explain, I'm here with my family and we're, we're serving the banquet. Um, you know, and so it really was, I think, at the heart of what the banquet's about, and what really all sort of charity should be, it really should be about person to person, like one person interacting with another person, um, and, and beginning to see the commonalities in it as well.
0: They have their own perceptions too, right? Sure. Their own preconceived notions that, you know, they gotta have broken down as mm-hmm. well. Uh, Father John, yeah. tell me what you think here. What, you kind of started off on a, a note that says, I don't know if I really cared for this movie that much, uh. Give me some of your thoughts on it. Uh, any insights or things that that provoked you, or that you found interesting or not interesting?
1: Well, yeah, in light of my whole crisis with drinking coffee and uh, <laughs> lie, lying to myself about like hiding it from. Do you myself, need to tell
0: uh, the uh, Rutten Radio
1: <laughs> audience about your Facebook? The, or, uh, so coffee um, addiction. The, yeah, that there's that part where. Uh, I don't remember his name, the other guy, the guy that's not really a part of the movie. The other roommate. Right, right. You know, Jeff Jeff Jeff, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that Jeff uh uh at the towards the end says, Well, I only have one page of my thesis. And um and then he's like, Well, Brand uh not Brandon Fraser, but the other guy. Um uh Brandon Fraser, the character. Monty. Monty. Monty says, uh, well I saw you print it out, you know. And he says, Well, I just printed out a bunch of <laughs> <laughs> like pages to make you think i had so much that much yep. done uh and i just burst out laughing because here i am like pretending i'm not drinking coffee anymore <laughs> and and parking on the other side of the coffee shop so that if by any chance anybody from the office would come to work they would not think why is father not in the office but his car's here that means he's at the coffee shop and i mean the stupid stuff i was doing to like hide that i was drinking coffee again and at a certain point when i was like planning on where to park my car And then thinking, if I park my car, though, on the other side of the coffee shop, then it's along the main drag of the road, and there's a good chance that somebody will be driving to the grocery store, (laughs) and they'll see my car at the coffee shop. And I'm thinking, there's only about six people in the whole world that even know I quit drinking coffee. Like, I'm lying to myself. (laughs) So I've been watching this, and I just think, isn't it true how often we live in that way where... We're trying to live a perception of somebody else. We're trying to live up to somebody else, but it's really us. We're the first ones we're really, uh, living a lie to, uh, so the need to really be honest with ourselves in order to be honest with the world, it, it, we can say first, Oh, it's about other people, but really it's something within ourselves that creates this dynamic. So, and I think he plays into that when, when he says, uh, um, you know they don't like each other, and so he says, "You hate me just because I look the, like the way you feel." You know? right. And right. that was a beautiful uh exchange. You know, uh, you, you or no, right. he wasn't yeah. saying you hate me. Yeah, you hate me mm. because I look the way you feel, right. <laughs> and and it's like, wow, oh, because yeah. you do sort of have the perception like that guy's the one that doesn't have it together. He's sort of like down, but inside the other one who looks like it's all working is. Oftentimes the one that's sick. Yeah. 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 So our perception, you know, what what boxes do we have people in? And boy, <laughs> right. they're you know
2: Yeah, or the ability, I think, to to let somebody be the mirror for you that you don't mm. you don't want them to be, but they are, you know. Accountability. So Simon is the mirror for Jeff if you'll let him be. Mm. You know, and so that... You know so there are those people so to really even ask that question are there people in my life that they right. they are that mirror for me and I really have to sort of uh, accept that part of my struggle is they're reflecting back to me my own challenge.
1: And the real the real I mean this is the more you integrate the way do you integrate
2: we're created in a, we,
1: this isn't like because with honors puts it this way this is the way god made us we live in relationship with others you discover who you are through a sincere gift to the other jp2 said you know yep. in a relationship with another i find out who i am so when when christy flynn our sister says to me Uh, you're depressed or you're not looking well, I have to take seriously that here is somebody who knows me. And the more I trust the person, the more I have to account for how do other people see me. But that means I may not be who I want to be. And so it's humility is required to really let someone else speak into my life. And we all need someone who we will let <laughs> speak into our life. And it can seem bad, but the more you do it, the more good it is. And I love the story of coming out of my deacon ordination. And Chris Rollis says to me right in the narthex, I've never seen someone so filled with joy. Yep. And I'm like, me? 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 This is joy. <laughs> uh, so it's a gift, too. It's not only just, but you have to be open, and God created us this way.
0: I think that's why I'm interested further in, in doing some leadership work and maybe even integrating some of it with my work at Mount Marty in that question that Father Paul asked, right, is what do you see when you look at me? How many people actually have somebody in their life that's honest with them sure. about what other people are perceiving I think all the time, like, that person has no idea (laughs) of what's what's wrong with them or how other people are perceiving them, or do they just realize how they sounded? Do they realize what they just said? And they likely don't oftentimes, maybe. But what about me? Do I have somebody in my life that I permit, that I give that ability to be accountable to, that says, what what do you see when you look at me? I'm telling... I don't know that oh, I do. I mean, my wife, wife. I do. I shouldn't yeah. say that. I do. My spouse, for sure, one hundred percent. But or like Christy, right? Your ability to have a sister that's able to look at you and say, "Hey, something's off here." Um, I have one good friend that mm-hmm. I think that I'm that to that person, and I never realized it until their wife. Somebody said, "Hey, you know, so and so," and it just came around full circle that their wife had mentioned that sure. I had said something to them. and it's like, "Oh, you mean they paid it." They listened? <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, all right, yeah. great. Well, that person took to heart, number one, they gave me the permission to to be honest with them. Number two, they took it to heart enough to tell their spouse that they maybe need to reflect. And I think that's something that I'm going to challenge myself in the new year to sure. say, all right, Joe, you can be good to yourself and get some good positive feedback here, but be honest and give somebody the permission to say, mm-hmm. this is how you're. I perceive you. Right. And for better, for worse... I just don't know that that's we like doing that. So,
1: what else do you got going, Paul? I could ask you if you have someone in your life that you. But I think you got more awesome stuff to tell
0: us <laughs> that's than
2: all kinds of stuff. Yeah, um, I did think that one of the things that was very obvious was the lack of any sort of faith in anyone uh, in the movie. Like there was no religion; religion played no part in people's lives. Even you know, spoiler alert: even the funeral. There wasn't even the, you know, minister at all. Uh, and I do think that this is this real challenge. Does, does our Christian faith really make a difference? You know, and I think sometimes our, our world wants to show us this sort of secular humanism, this ability that um, people really would do the right thing. People really would be generous. People really would be kind, considerate, all of these things, even without religion. And, and I don't know that that's really true because this isn't how we lived until Christ came. Like Christ really changed everything. Now, the only thing that was odd is there was an image of the Sacred Heart in the bedroom, which was clearly there for a reason. I know not why. It was never invoked. It was never referred to, but it was clearly on the wall in the back as well. would be interesting to know why it was there uh, in the midst of that as well. Um, But I think for us then as Christians to be able to say, how are we different when we interact with people, when we do charity, when we do correction, when we live, how do we live differently because we actually are Christian? Because Christ
0: really is a part of our life. Um, So, yeah. Father John, we got a minute or two left here. This is uh, never feels like quite enough time to... Talk about all the great insights and uh, themes, notes of interest uh, from the movie. One but- other
2: thing, if I can just—that I did think was funny—was his thesis. Monty's thesis is that with better communication and technology, we will have a better democracy. And if our election didn't just prove that wrong, right? <laughs> 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 but that was his theory: was if we could just communicate easier, if everyone would have access to all this information. Like this, really was the idea of the internet. It was going to save us because it was going to allow everyone to have access. And that, in the end, is what Monty thought was going to save him. Yeah, and now we have and here e- we are.
1: Edward Snowden.
3: But here we are. Who like, right. like we won't <laughs> let back in the country again. Right. And so I found it
2: quite funny as, as he as he talks about it. And I'm like, well, that didn't work. Good luck. You know,
0: but. right? It is. There is some good humor in the movie. There's a lot of oh yeah, a yeah. lot of humor There's, throughout. He, like, when he has, what state were you born in? He's like infancy. Ma- <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: well, Joe Pesci makes. I mean, yeah. how do you not know love oh, Joe Pesci when they're having where?
2: their meal? When they're eating, <laughs> when they're eating the chicken, <laughs> and they realize that uh, they just ate Everett's chicken. Yeah,
0: yeah. So there was good yeah. things
2: to the movie too. The one thing that that um, that I also—I mean, there's a lot of things. You know, how do we make peace with the past?
0: All right.
2: If the uh, you know, like there was that you know that whole scene in, in the midst of all of that. Um, so,
0: well, we uh, wrap up here in the first half hour of Rutten Radio. Our movie of the month was With Honors, starring Joe Pesci and Brandon Fraser. It's fantastic. We encourage you to go out there and check it out. John gave it maybe a C plus Paul, maybe a a B. (laughs) And I give it an A. But with that, we hope you'll come back in the second half hour and join us as we dig deeper into some thoughts and meaning of life and all, all kinds of other great insights that we have from the movie and our lives. With that, we'll see you in just a bit. And welcome back to Rutten Radio here on the Real Presence Network. I'm Joe Rutten, joined by my brothers Rutten, Father John. Other Ball. And we just got done reviewing the one and only, well, not one and only, it wasn't really that special. It was a decent movie, but uh, with honors, Father John, if at any point you find out, uh, it comes to you what your thing is that kind of gets to you on the movie where you're like, you know, it just wasn't that good of a movie. Um, let us know, but other than that, we'll transition. I know what it is. Oh, or no way. Yes.
1: It's exactly what was said about the technology. So <laughs> okay. I think the movie it, uh uh gets you all pumped up about something that's not real and then and so so like now um yeah and I think it, uh, I think uh so does that make, so the technology it's in his his thesis is that technology is going to be able to save us from all these things right okay so we can think that that's the case right. but it's missing faith It's missing the thing that actually really saves us in our experience in life. And so we, when we're disconnected and when we're not really paying attention, we can watch this movie and and sort of think, oh, yeah, we're going to be saved if we all just learn to recognize other people and if we all just learn to help poor people and if we all just go. But the truth of the matter is... that doesn't save me. That's not yeah, what's helped and, and me. Uh, maybe. Yeah, I would see that. I would, I would also
0: say that so the, the, the heart the... of the movie is about community and relationships and that we need others. And I don't mm-hmm. think we would disagree with the, that as a, no, as no, a human no, or no. a Christian principle, no. No. that community is at the heart of it. And, and I really saw it as this idea that he was going to be the self-made man, like this great, smart, intelligent. Look at this. I'm cranking it out. I'm on time. I am ahead. I'm with, I'm going to do this with honors and it's all me. And where I realized something more was going on here was when he, he broke his foot, when he dropped his papers and lost them, um, he walks into the, to the, to the house with his roommates and crutches, and he's frustrated with the crutches. And the lady criticizes him and she says, oh, oh, you can't even take help from a crutch, can you?
3: Right.
0: And you know, and it's that idea that says he's dependent upon others that his fulfillment mm-hmm. right. is as a, is a good, to live a good life, to live a fulfilling life. He, he needs other people and he's not going to pull himself up by his bootstraps and do this thing on his own. And so maybe that might be where we go here in, in the second half hours is just that idea yeah. of community and, and relationships specifically as it relates to others in society um, when you guys think of the poor right this movie was about Joe Pesci who was poor physically in poverty but he had other poverties only poverty what other types of poverties exist out there that maybe make people poor in their humanity and their lives that they live
2: yeah, I mean, I think Mother Teresa was the one who said it that America is one of the poorest countries in the world because of the way we kill our babies through abortion. Uh, we live a very materialistic lifestyle. Uh, we're very, you know, focused on ourselves, and we really don't have, you know, a need to be dependent on anyone, you know. So she and she said that's a poverty you can't you can't really fix. She's, you know, I can give people food that are hungry, but. Somebody that really lacks, you know, a real spiritual relationship mm-hmm. with Christ, I can't like manufacture that and just hand it out. Uh, there, it, there's a mystery to the relationship with Christ, uh, and there's a mystery to how that all works. Um, and so, I really do think that we're we're really in a a predicament because part of the important thing for us in our culture is the family. The family really is the foundation of our culture and our families really are falling apart. Mm. Um, And to be able to have a Christian understanding of the family, uh, what does it mean? How does it work? All of those things. Uh, And so we keep trying to deal with the poor. We keep trying to figure out how to help the homeless, but we're not really addressing the fact that the the family needs to be Mm. a a better understanding of
0: why is family important. Is it something that, you believe um, so? Family, the, the that the smallest community, the smallest society. I think John Paul II called it the first seminary. That this idea that the home or the family is is the nucleus that maybe we ought to turn our attention to, to focus on that. That broken, the poverty of the family is really where we should be focusing more of our energy. Do you think? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, the family
2: is important. and but, but the problem we face today is we can't even agree on what the word family means. Mm. Like, we can't even have a civil discussion in our culture about family anymore. And so we really do have ourselves in, in a real quandary to be able to say, oh, what are we
0: doing? How do we if do we that? want to have that dialogue with the exterior society from the church, or do you think that dialogue is challenged even within the church? Both. Is it difficult to talk about family and the traditional family or the new families or homosexuality or same-sex marriage or transgenderism? Are those topics uh, uh, present in parish life? Well, yeah, you,
1: you, you say something about it, and then the person you're looking at is from a divorced house. So you talk about marriage, or it's Father's Day, or it's Mother's Day, and the people in front of you you the, to say this and to encourage this is like pouring salt in a wound. Uh So how do you approach uh,
0: that? I what are know. the ways we can approach that? One we could avoid it, <laughs> just not talk about it.
1: I mean, I don't in my how how I approach it is that this this actually isn't the solution for me.
0: Um, what isn't the solution? The,
1: the addressing the 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 family Issue isn't the, the the starting place for me. The starting place is Jesus Christ, the Savior, that he really is present here. Uh, because when someone recognizes God is present, then they naturally look and say, oh my gosh, my family's a mess. <laughs> uh, there's a tenderness, there's a mercy they experience. When you experience an encounter with a living God, you have an ability then, you grace gives us, the reason we can't dialogue with the outside world is because natural law is not something that you come to without grace easily you can get there easily but it it took thousands of years and a few people were capable of getting to the place that we were able to pass down uh, aristotle and and socrates and some of these people but um since the age of the church, we have tons of people who have great ways, you know, grace helps us see. And so for me, there's a sense of like, it's a one-on-one thing. It's a person-to-person thing. It's a conversation, one family at a time. It's a conversation with the woman that comes in and says, I'm going to go this direction with my marriage. And somehow grace opens up and you can, um, from the big perspective, this is just my experience is, the, the starting from that place of saying the family. And I, I was, I mean, when I was first a priest, man, the kitchen table is the battle is the, what did I call it? The command center, command center, kitchen table is a command center. Like we got to get back to the kitchen table. We got to get back to eating dinners together. Done well, doesn't work. It has not worked. It doesn't do any, it doesn't move people. It does. But you preach about salvation of Jesus Christ, that God is present. People are hungry to know their love. Right.
0: So your point isn't that the that the family unit isn't important, or that oh, no, the no, family no, doesn't no, no. work. Your point <laughs> no. is, as a as a pastor, if the way in which you're going to lead people is by, uh, well, who uh, Paul the sixth says that right. He says that what the world today is looking, f- what the world today follows, is not teachers but witnesses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when they follow teachers, it's because they are witnesses. Yeah. You're saying that teaching simply isn't going to be the answer to the solution. Witnessing, living, being present, encountering people with the grace, with the gospel of Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. is the starting point. From there, bring on all issues, comers, society. I totally
1: agree with what Paul said. The the family is the essence of all of it. You then asked about how we address it, and my response is well, you
0: don't address it by starting with the family. Yeah. Right, right.
1: Yeah. God loves you. He really is present. Is that is that
0: like a, a uh, is that a paradigm shift within the church? Is that something that other priests or people within the church discuss, talk about, uh, you know, you very cle- you both very clearly. Paul, you shook your head as John said, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the place that I start. Um, I don't know that I've always started there, and I don't know that I always see everybody in the church starting there as much as I kind of Sometimes I think we got uh, the doctrine is like a hammer that we beat people over the head with. Um, and- sure. I
2: mean, I think part of the the thing is, and this is what Bishop DeGroote keeps talking about with the book from Christendom to the Apostolic Mission. You can start with the family if you already have a group of people who know Jesus Christ. So again, it takes this real question, who are the people I'm I'm in front of? Mm. And so if I'm in front of a bunch of people that know Jesus Christ then I don't have to start with Jesus Christ in that sense of making sure they know Him because they already know Him. Okay, well we can move to the next step. And I think what the church found was for a while we had Jesus Christ there, and they could then talk about all this doctrine and everything else, mm-hmm. and it all worked. Well, we forgot that you got to keep talking about it because you got new generations and new people, you know. Uh, and so even John Paul II talked about having to introduce those who were baptized to Jesus Christ because they were baptized but they never met the man. Uh, and so this real need to also make sure that we don't forget that you do need to come to know who Christ is in our life. Um, and if, But if someone already knows who Christ is, someone's already filled with grace, then I don't need to, to start from that spot in the sense of making sure they know because they already do, and you can move forward. But it's ascertaining or, or looking at, well, who's the person in front of me? And if that person is a person of faith, then I'm, I, I'm at a different place with them. Mm. But today... I would say most people aren't at that place, so
0: now we have to start back. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. I yeah. mean,
1: we we went to the banquet, and at the end of it, we, the, the one of the people that was helping run the place talked about Christianity and how Christ- this is what it is to be Christian—to help the poor—and I just wanted to scream, "No, <laughs> no!" This is our problem. We think that helping people is what it means to be Christian. And I even know saying that, there's a lot of people listening who are probably like, Father John's lost his marbles. But this is the problem. Anyone can help people. Right. Any, a Buddhist helps people. To be Christian is to believe Jesus Christ is Lord. is Lord, and he came to this world, and he's still present in his body. That you can meet the mysterious presence that changed the apostles, that totally put took Paul from one place to another place. You can meet the 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 presence of God in a companionship and a friendship in the church and the sacraments and prayer that reverted a prostitute and made her into the to. Like this is Christianity. Right. This is the place that then allows people to say, "Oh, you mean I'm supposed to like only have sex with one person and like stay with that person for the rest of my life because we're probably gonna have some kids and then the, like those kids should be raised?" You know, <laughs> like that's an impossible thing to do. Why are people sleeping around and why are people you know uh, doing all the things they're doing? Because that is far, you know, it's difficult. To stay with one person that you're making babies with and actually raise those children and get, because it takes death to self. I mean, I've never met one parent that's like saying kids are easy. Coming over to your house, Joe, is like the best thing in the world for me. Like, this is hard stuff. (laughs) This is hard stuff. And you think you got one figured out and it's going well. And then the next child comes and it's totally different.
0: Day after day. (laughs) Yeah. After day. After day
1: after day? I mean and I only I, have three. I, I understand why parents would say, What are we doing? Right. Well, but if you know G you know, if you have the Spirit of God you know it's a it's 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 a different thing. So that's where I'm at with
0: right. No I in a sense it's um yeah, we could I don't we, know where we, we could, are right well, now. <laughs> oh no, this is good though. I I, 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 I <laughs> I'm with you man. I'm with you. Uh I'm coming with you. I'm coming along. I'm I but that idea that uh who are the people I'm in front of? Right? And so when you're in front of people, that dictates how you communicate with them. Yeah.
1: Cuz you do you give them meat or milk or or meat, you right? St. Right, Paul right, was right. this isn't new. Right? He was well, dealing I with the same we, thing.
0: I don't know I, I for a long time I know I I operated this way and I still struggle to find the balance between truth and charity and between doctrine and relationship and none of it, it Christ has to be present in it all. and rules without uh, relationship with Christ specifically breeds rebellion. <laughs> I mean like when my it breeds rebellion in my marriage, if I'm not in a healthy relationship with my wife, and she gives me rules, she gives me orders, I'm like, (laughs) resentments and all kinds of, well, that's kind of what happens in the church too. Uh, Fantastic. All right. So let's jump out, let's jump out and into some of this other, the gospel call um, to help the poor and vulnerable. You guys have now just kind of transitioned this on me away from Joe Pesci or from the poor person as materially poor. And then stopping and saying, wait a minute, Joe Pesci actually had something that Brendan Frazier didn't. And I often find that when I go to work with people that may be materially poor, that they have something that I'm poor in. Sure. And it's oftentimes a spiritual, spirituality that there's a faith present sometimes that I'm like, God, I wish I trusted, I mean, as much as, as they did. Because they have
2: to. And that's, I think, where that was the part that I think was unfortunate for the movie was there was no sense that... That Joe Pesci was the way he was because he had some faith component to it. It just sort of he learned it through life, mm. you know. Um, and and but again, this is where I keep feeling like we as Christians then are ask have to ask this question: When people meet us, do they meet people who live differently? That would be able to say, "No, we we didn't come to the banquet because we're Christians and that's what Christians do. Like that's not why we're here." But do we know that? That's not why we're there. Mm-hmm. And I think this is this real challenge as, as a church: Are our people aware of why are we here? Why are, why we are doing, you there? What are why we do doing? you go to the banquet every year? Because I love my family. <laughs> I mean,
1: <laughs> I go there. Be- yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, because it, it's a, it, it is an opportunity for me to grow with my family. It's an opportunity for me to meet other people and to see Christ in them. To be challenged in my own way of life. Uh, And I do feel called that this is what Christ wants us to do.
1: I'm at the banquet because the encounter with the Spirit of God that happened the Christmas that Rick and I looked at each other and said, what are we doing giving each other gift cards for 50 bucks? This isn't what we're about. And I saw God at work. I saw the Spirit like saying, yeah do something new. And so what is it? Go serve the banquet. But that's like a consequence of the fact that I saw I had eyes of faith that were helping me see, ah, uh, we're being called
0: somewhere. So mm-hmm. it wasn't a humanitarian.
1: And uh, not really. It's I mean, it not... was a it was a it response was a, yeah, and it to was, God. It was a an natural he's resp- humanitarian. It he's was a natural like, response.
0: It was a place where we could
2: move the money. It was something that we were comfortable in a sense doing. It was So it just all worked out. What I find interesting again talking from the beginning of the movie Perceptions, I still remember so I was at as the chaplain, and I still remember uh, when we did it the one year, and they did it on the news, and it made the news, and it was like, oh, no, I don't want people to see the news. Well, one of the parishioners who didn't like me at the Newman Center saw it, and she's like, I'm, I can't believe you would do this. And it was this real clash for her, because in her mind, I was an orthodox, just rule-following kind of priest, I wasn't the type that would serve the poor, <laughs> oh. and so she was really s- struggling because she couldn't she couldn't reconcile these two things that the news just showed the family serving the poor mm. uh, in the midst of it. And I'm like, well, you, you know, I don't know. This is what we do, <laughs> but again, perception and letting people, you know, uh, see what they want and and to be able to to check yeah. it. But I do think for us as Christians, what what are we about? Are we about Christ? Are we about yeah? Really, letting Christ change the way we think, the way we act, and what we do or don't do. How and, does, and this yeah. is
1: what I would say is is definitely we are called. The corporal works of mercy are to to pray for the dead, to feed the the hungry. I mean, there's no question we are called to do these. Things. Right. And then the diocese, I just am responding yeah. to an age we live in in which we look like everybody else if we don't understand the essence of what we're doing. And it really is for that. And then I can also say, just like this radio program, this radio program isn't about reaching people first. This was about the fact <laughs> I that, that God I don't <laughs> brought us here and right, something changes right. for us. And so, like you said, like, I see my relationship with, with the family changing and I see Christ, like he's doing something here for all of us. And then I remember when we were down there and it's like, these are our people, So then there's this dynamic too that I'm not like serving you in some way. I'm just doing this thing that we all belong to. And you happen to be a recipient of something I'm giving, but I'm a recipient. And that last year when that lady started talking to me and she started talking to me about you and she was saying all these things and I'm like, this woman belongs to the Cathedral of St. Joseph Parish. She knows Joe Rutten. She knows my sister. She knows my (laughs) mom. Like, this is not a poor person. This is my sister. And she loves the Denver
0: Broncos. (laughs) Yes, see, we
1: know. And so there's this awareness that like, wow, this is like us. And I remember realizing we just live... Eight blocks up the street, this is our neighborhood. These are our, these are these, this is like who we belong to. So then there is this dynamic of like serving the other, you discover the mystery of God in them. And then because of those relationships that I'm more open to these poorer people with, then I look at my sibling and I'm like, well, I want to look at my sibling that way too.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I want to have an affection for my sister, or my brother, my blood brother, uh, and so. That's sort of the generation of what has happened, and and it, it does involve the poor. Um, but it's it's a matter of faith that helps me really see the mystery that's
0: going on. So uh, does that mean you'll give me a pass on skipping out this year? No, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you just looked at me
1: did. like. How bigger. did you manage to do well, that? We'll,
0: we'll do that off. Oh. <laughs> oh, now we're taking shots, baby. Well, all right. Well, we'll do. We'll deal with all that right, right, after we'll, the show here, right? That, you that, that. You'll have to pay extra for that, that episode uh, for those out. Out there listening I'll let you know all that goes yeah uh, yep. so
2: no I, right. you know and the one of the quotes to kind of maybe bring this little bit to a close the one that I loved the most was when Mother Teresa was helping the poor in Calcutta and it was just this guy dying it was gross and there was this businessman that was there and he said mother I wouldn't do this for a million dollars and she said neither would I I do it because it's Christ right like this real thing like like, she is following Christ. She's following Christ. She's following Christ. It has nothing to do with all the other things. But we often miss that point of it. And so I really think for all of us to ask that question, are we following Christ? Yeah, yeah. Like, where is Christ calling me? And what is he calling me to do? And how is he calling me to, to think outside of, of my box and really begin to see him in different ways in my life? Um, but that's a different kind of Christianity.
0: So right. Much harder type f- for me, partly because it demands something of me that I'm n- it's harder for me to give. I think, uh, it's internal. It's sacrificial. It's, well, it's time. times. it's yeah, risk. Like
2: what if nothing happens or what if it doesn't work out or, you know, all these things, all right. you know, uh, Everyone always, you know, and again, these are all good things, and we all do them at our parishes. Everyone has good feelings when you put those gifts under the tree for those in need. Ah. You know, everyone has a good feeling about that. Okay, well, that's, I mean, so we, but is that all? Mm -hmm. Is this, do we ever actually meet these people? Is there ever, you know, and so this is this real challenge for all, I think, for the church to say something more has to be behind Just that.
1: And then what do we do when it requires real sacrifice out of me and I don't get the warm feeling? Right. Uh, So right now the banquet needs tons of help, everybody. If you're out there and you can serve at the banquet, they need our help. All they need is like six to eight people to help, but they don't have the relationship anymore. And so the experience that's so rich of being uh-huh. close to right. the people that is so yep. good. That's you get to right. be close to them, uh-huh. but that's not oh, there. The and so they're going. having a hard time getting people. And well, 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 because eight of COVID eight and eight eight you're eight. Right. I mean, people don't you know, people it's COVID season, right. but they do precautions, but they really need our help now. But they need it in a sacrificial way where you may not get thanked or you might not get the experience that you're wanting.
2: Yeah, it was a but, whole different experience because it was just us with the, the, the siblings. Like, it was so weird. Like, I stood down for a little while with Jaden, and it was a quick interaction. Each person comes to the window, goes away. Like, there was nothing. I mean, it was just different. And you're like, is this Is this it? Like, this is it? We just handed out a bunch of boxes of food. Yeah. Like it was a different experience. You're right, and so
1: it's easy to be like, "Well, let's not come do this again."
2: But they need us now.
1: Right? Because now. it's not
0: feeding me. Yeah. Right. In so maybe that's a poorer the way. Yeah. Right? So no. that's
1: the the thing to always be attentive to is, the, and this is why I think it's important that if you begin with the Spirit of God, you're discerning in a way that you catch these things, mm-hmm. and and so I. Uh, I was um, told, we knew this when we went down there, okay? I had a conversation with somebody at my parish office about doing this. I deleted it from my list of stuff. I was gonna have people in the parish help out. You know, I knew this was the case. Deleted it from my to-do list, never followed up with it. Go down there, serve as a family, never follow up with it. Yesterday, I go there to, to drop money off and the lady's saying to me, I need your, we need your help if you know anyone. And I'm like thinking in my head, Oh yeah, I wonder if I yeah, I don't know, you know. And it wasn't until I drove away, and I'm like, I am the pastor of a parish. <laughs> <laughs> she isn't. She's asking me to help her, but I didn't get it. I didn't get it. But when you're connected, when you're praying, when you're aware, when you're observant, you like the spirit can catch you and be like, "Hey, knock knock, I'm talking to you." <laughs> Ask the people that you have an influence with to help. <laughs>
0: This is fantastic. Well, as we wrap up the hour here with Rutten Radio in the month of January, we're so grateful for our listeners out there, for all those that have joined us and will continue to join us through the podcast as we've talked about the movie of the month and really dove deeper into this conversation about poverty. And particularly, I'm moved by the idea that our, our, our desire to help needs to flow out of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So if you're out there and you don't have that relationship, you desire it, I encourage you to stop right now and invite Christ into your life, into your heart, and reach out. Call one of the Brother Priests here. Facebook them. There's always a way to get a hold of us. So if you want to close in prayer with us, we'll close this month with the family prayer. And the movie of the month for February is The Giver. The Giver. All right. So jump on it and uh, watch The Giver, and we'll see you next February together. Our Our Father, Father, we thank you you for your love and for your many blessings, especially for for the precious gift of each other. Help help us us to show our gratitude gratitude by loving each other as you love us. Make us understanding and patient with one another. Quick quick to admit our our failings and and ask forgiveness. forgiveness. Generous generous in sharing the joy and strength we can give each each other. Father, give our family lively faith and the courage to share it with those around us. Direct us to the state in life you plan
3: for each of us and help us to use your gifts to serve you. We entrust our family to your fatherly care, preserve us from the corruption of the modern world, and help us draw closer daily to you and to each other until we come to share with you the joys of heaven. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, help us to be a holy family. Amen. Amen.
0: Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time right here at Rutten Radio on the Real Presence Network. Peace and God bless.